yes, FES is back and it feels oh so good. Welcome back for season four of A Buck's Sake. My name is Jason. It's good to be back in your earbuds and also back in the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios. Joining me are the usual suspects, the boys in the studio. First, I will um, introduce the man who we know as the self-appointed chief analyst of A Buck's Sake. You might know him better as a star of Japanese television. Dave, welcome back. How was your uh, winter? Good evening, Jason. Welcome back to you, mate. Uh, Thank you. The, the winter has been, uh, yeah, tough to deal with without the VUC, but uh, we're back. And let's be honest, uh, if you were in the country and if Buds worked in the CBD, it wouldn't have been me on the old Japanese TV. It would have been one of you two blokes who are far, far more accomplished at video content. You stepped up, though. You did a great <laughs> job. Um Got the pronunciation of Ketsuki Honda wrong or Kesuke Honda? Ketsuki Honda, Ketsuki Honda. <laughs> Do you know that was about 30 seconds of what I did um, and I thought it was I, – I, I walked away thinking, I hope they don't do the song part. That was the only part that they liked. That was the liked. best part they yeah. liked, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, good job on that. Um, otherwise, uh, I think I, I literally haven't seen you since the last time we did a podcast in these Brunswick Sharehouse Studios, so mm. everything's been going well for you? Yeah, yeah. yeah fantastic. Uh, it's been an eventful year and, uh, yeah, I just – the thing that's missing, though, is the VUC, boys, and we've had so much happen in this off-season. The whole Honda, Willy, won't he stuff, and here we are now trying to condense all that's happened in uh, one hour. Yeah, we haven't been able to do a podcast earlier because uh, I've, I've been overseas and I've got all the equipment here. Um, so I'm back now, got back on Saturday night. Um, Man of the people, Buds, welcome back for season four. What's up? Thanks big, for having me. Big winter for you, mate, or a oh, big winter. Um, you might have seen I did a uh, uh, an offshoot podcast with the guys from Destruction in the Box called uh-huh. Vodka Borscht and Bert, and uh, got some pretty good numbers and some good traction. So I had a bit of fun with that over the World Cup break with those boys. Um, shout out to my boys, they're legends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but good to be back with the uh, the uh, the homeboys in the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios. Good to be on the Vux, as uh, Roddy Vargas. Good to be on the Vux. It's the first time on the Vux. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, an interesting, Legend. an interesting off season. Probably uh... has it been the biggest off season in victory history? I can't remember. Apart from the Kuehl madness, there's a fair bit of hype around Kuehl because there's a long build up and similar to the to the Honda kind of drama. Well, I still think there's a lot more to play out in this off season. Yeah, We've a lot of people walk out the door and not too many walk in. I mean, Kasuki's a big, big one that's come in and there's been a couple that have probably flown under the radar, but we've still got a fair few spots to fill. Yeah, we knew. Um, well wasn't confirmed, but we had a good feeling about Corey Brown and Storm Rue, and obviously that all happened uh, as was expected. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, as you say, there's there's a lot more to come because there's still two visa spots available uh, and there's the whole left-wing issue as well that, uh, you know, the, the <laughs> that's another story in itself, the Leroy George departure. We didn't get to dwell on that, obviously, because we weren't operating, but, yeah, yeah that was huge the way he kind of... Uh, Made a bit of a parting shot at the league. So did, yeah. Well, some say it was lost in translation. I'm not sure. I think he knew what he was saying. Pussy season. Yeah. Pussy season. Yeah, well, he's, he's not wrong. Was he wrong? He wasn't wrong, but it just, yeah. And I reckon he was listening to us for a lot of the, uh, the <laughs> season because uh, we were saying pretty much the exact same thing. How have we done it? How have we won the title from fourth? Oh, well. still, like, actually... Thinking about that, it's, you know, three months since the event, just a little bit over three months since we won the the grand final. After time to reflect, what what are your thoughts on the on I guess the season as a whole? And does it change your perspective leading into this season? You know, 
when we were, we're you know, there's a lot of hysteria about signing players and things like that and getting them right for the for the start of the season. But does it take away a bit of the gloss knowing that we could just fucking coast through a season to, to win a grand final or win a championship? Yeah, it doesn't take away any of the gloss, but what it leaves me with is a sense of, okay, that's what we achieved in second gear. Mm. What can we achieve if everything comes together? The signings, the circumstances of the season, the way it plans out, uh, pans out, mm-hmm. um, and you know, getting to attack an Asian Champions League campaign with a, a bit more of a balanced squad is what I'm hoping for. And you know, those two signings that we just mentioned, Corey Brown and Storm Rue, they're not sensational signings, but they finally add you know positional strength in areas that we've denied ourselves in the past two seasons or season. Certainly. Well, I guess we'll delve into all that in just a moment. It's a big show. As we mentioned, it's one of the biggest Melbourne Victory off-seasons in recent memory. I can't you know, recall a, a bigger off-season since perhaps the, the Harry Kuehl, uh season in which we signed him and there's a bit of a hysteria around that. Um, some similar parallels to draw with, with the Honda stuff as well. Uh, so there was a game as well last week. We're going to dive into that and uh, review that. I didn't watch that, but you guys did. I hope you can provide some insight into our FFA Cup uh, round one or round of 32 victory against Perth Glory, which I thought was somewhat surprising. We're also going to go through the huge off-season. So the player movement, um, also the backroom movement. Uh, we'll also discuss uh, things that went on in the uh, in the off-season in Melbourne victory circles and also around the league. Um, we'll discuss friendlies and uh, whatever else that pops Jeez, up. Jeez, it's a big run sheet. It's a lot. It's a lot to get through. Music theme is uh, J-pop. So you decided to go with J-pop. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, was but there, what's the problem, Dave? Well, the problem is I was kind of thinking we could, you know, pick out some Japanese favourites of our own I instead of going fans. for pop. Well, no, I'll, I'll, well, I'll, what Japanese favourites do you have? I'll what? I know there's I'll uh, probably my favourite Japanese band. The, what, uh, Mark Pelican? No. Oh, yeah. That, that, yeah, they're pretty, pretty good, pretty, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of <laughs> Boris, uh, who are a kind of a doom metal band from Japan, a three-piece uh, noise experiment. Old Man Divi. Audible yeah. um, I know Clarkie would be uh, raising his thumbs to that suggestion, but probably it, it is one, yeah. Is but one. Um, no, look, J-pop it is. I, I, what I like about this is that it, it's going to be hilarious because, you know, it's ridiculous. We saw on the Japanese TV thing how, how everything is colour and beeping and lights and oh you my know, favorite thing like, my favorite thing about Japanese TV is they have like the 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 second screen, the picture in picture of the presenters. The reaction they're always on TV. Yeah. It's great. It's <laughs> so good. On TV and they're like they're looking at you and they're kinda of laughing but not really knowing what the fuck's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, so yeah we threw this open to uh, the Twitter followers of a sake on Twitter and uh, got a healthy response. So we're gonna go with J pop and I said the cornea the better. So let's do it. Let's get into season do four. It. Of for fuck's sake. Do it. Everybody on the floor. Everybody on the floor. On the floor. Everybody on the floor. Everybody on the floor. On the floor.
I'm told this is J-pop. Yeah, where's the Japanese? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I remember that from like the 90s. Yeah, I feel when like I this is a, a song that was featured in a 90s dance music uh, theme, theme week. But this is, um, this is recommended to us by, I think, Ben Williams, who is a very notable... Japanese aficionado. Yeah, Japanese aficionado, who's helped us um, in the past do some, uh, some stuff about uh, the Japanese travel for the cha- Champions League on the Fuck's Sake website when that was a thing. Um, but it, it looks Japanese. I'm looking at it right now. There's a yeah. whole bunch of Japanese Speaking people. Speaking of around. people who um, have Asian connections with FES, uh, a big thank you has to go to Paul Williams for hooking us up with that uh, Japanese TV segment. That oh. was uh, nice of him to think of us. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, thank you, Paul. And um, yeah, it's always good for, for Buck's sake to, uh, to try new things. Uh, so there was a game last week, uh, last Tuesday, almost a week ago now, FFA Cup victory against Perth Glory. Um, as I mentioned, I was away uh, over in San Francisco for the last three months, got back on Saturday, so I missed the match. Uh, when I look at the result, though, I was pleasantly surprised because, you know, you know, much has been made of the, the threadbare squad that we have at the moment. There's still um, some key positions which do need, do need to be filled. But I looked at that and you know, saw that we uh, got a 1-0 result away against Perth, um, against a team who really is already pretty much set for the, for the season. They're pretty much prepared with their squad. Um, they know what they're doing. Obviously, Tony Popovich is, uh, has come on board. Much hyped acquisition of Tony Popovich. Um, we still beat them. So uh, you guys have watched... Tell yeah, me how it happened. Look, Tell me what happened. They, they have been one of the busiest teams in the off-season. Obviously, the Popovich appointment was pretty big, but they were actually missing just as many players as we were. So they signed uh, Australian-Croatian uh, Tom- Tomislav Mrcella, um, who has been over in Croatia, and Spiranovic, who wasn't playing either, and, and a couple of others that, that didn't uh, appear for them in that fixture. Uh, we won ugly is how I'd probably put it. Um, but there were some surprising performances from some of the, what would you say, boo boys of recent years, buds, like Jai Ingham. Jai Ingham. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I was, it was a difficult one to watch because Foxtel made their streaming really hard. Uh, it wasn't one of the main TV games, so it took me quite a while to uh, get onto the game. But when I did get on and turned it on, uh, or when the stream worked, was about a minute before the goal, and I was pretty uh, pretty impressed with our young Josh Hope on how he handled yeah. that goal. Yeah, the the build up for that goal was excellent, and he just uh, I've commented in in the off season that he has this physique and uh, just the way he moves on the pitch. He just looks like a natural footballer, Josh Hope, and uh, there's plenty to be said about his prospects this coming season. If, if we don't sign another. Central midfielder or you know CDM, he's he's going to have a big role to play this season if Musket you know puts the trust into him, which it looks like he might be. He's got football smarts. He's a natural footballer. Uh, in some of the pictures that you see him and some of the action, he looks like a young Steve McManaman. Yeah, doesn't probably doesn't run like him, but looks like him. He's got a, he's got the body and the mould of a footballer. So uh, Kev should persist with him and play him. Um, look, FFA Cup to me, I'm, I'm probably the person in the room who probably, um, people might not like this view, but I'm, I'm, I'm not really into us in this competition yet. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in it yet. The, the competition hasn't captivated me. The at way, this stage of yeah, the year, it's a glorified preseason game. I like, yeah, I see them as glorified preseason games and I see the FFA Cup as good 
stuff to sit and watch when you come home from the gym on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. I think I think where it gets interesting in the FFA Cup and what really gets me excited is when we play an NPL or a member federation side. So sure. when, when we come up against a Perth Glory, which we seem to every season. Every time and play um, away in after Perth, that final that they keep crying about. Yeah, it, it just doesn't excite as much. It was played at Dorian Gardens, which has that excellent uh, apartment block on one side of the pitch, which the uh, residents of said apartment block would enjoy the... Uh, Spectacle of an FFA Cup game. Uh, 1,754 people in attendance. Yeah, it's pretty average, but uh, yeah, so it's pre season. What was that figure? 1,754. That's not too bad. I, just yeah. saw, I saw actually just of note, I think the Brisbane Raw City game got about 6,000. That's pretty yeah. promising for Brisbane Raw. So that's decent. At least people are turning out for these games. Yeah, look, I, I, I see where, where Buds is coming from in that. It does have a, a sense of a pre-season about it. The, I, this is the whole the difference between us in Australia and, say, other parts of the world where the leagues below the top tier all play at the same time. Mm. So yeah, that's it, what... I've got issues with the... I find the draw of it a bit hokey. I find yeah. the way that it's still manufactured to have... Basically, it's manufactured to have one of these teams that we like seeing progress absolutely belted in the semis because they're playing about four weeks after their season's finished. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just something I, I find it a little bit hard to get over. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a Melbourne victory diehard man, but I do like seeing... Uh, I, I actually watch the FFA Cup to watch Bentley Greens, who are my MPL team of choice, so... Yeah, and look at the, the game itself. It was in, it lacked the rhythm. It looked like two teams that were in pre-season, as we keep harping on about. And in the end, uh, you know, the chances that were carved out, the best one, you know, the ever reliable Costa Barbarossa in the thirty-eighth minute, put it away after, as we mentioned, some great build-up work involving Josh Hope. defending as well. He's left alone for about. You know, 30 seconds. Mm. Yeah, well, Dino Julbich, uh, Shane Lowry, uh, guys like that, that's the makeup of the Perth defence that we saw last season that leaked goals constantly. They'll be looking to install Speranovic in there, probably alongside Lowry, who's yeah. probably the better of the ones they... of, of the incumbents. So, yeah, it... It was interesting to see James Troisi come on very late in typical Kev fashion uh, in the 83rd minute for Terry Antonis, sporting no hair. Yeah, he um, it was, it was, it was a lot of people following this. Uh, once James got the uh, boot from the uh, Socceroos camp in Antalya in yes. Turkey, he went down to, I think he was in Montenegro mm-hmm. for uh, quite a while and in the Balkans. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a bad choice. Age, age destination. Yeah, very nice. And uh, not long after that, he decided to take all the hair off. Shades of Britney Spears' 2007 meltdown mm, it, after uh, the uh, World Cup admission. Either a meltdown or an admission that he can't fight he can't fight the receding hairline anymore. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm thinking of, you know, following suit, you know, the, the, You're not the, gonna go blonde? At the rate. Not gonna go blonde. <laughs> Are you gonna own up to what that whole blonde thing was all about, Jason? You're gonna own up to the, the listeners of how you, <laughs> what, inge- you engineered were gonna, you were gonna make the bet and you were gonna do it blonde. Yeah, it's all yeah, I know. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well KZ uh, yeah. Honda signs and you yes, go well. Let's just say you have some excellent skills in uh, manipulation online, and that's all we'll say. As for me going blonde, uh, no chance whatsoever. Uh, You're the chief analyst, Dave. Uh, Perth Glory squad are far more advanced than most teams at this stage, but do you think there'll be 
uh, challenging come to the, come the pointy end of the season. They they look like they've done all the right things. The signings they've made have been terrific, and the reason for that is the lure of someone like Tony Popovich. Hasn't he just signed half his old boys? Didn't he take in like uh, Spira and he's taken in uh, Santa Lab? Yep, he's he's definitely done that. But I really like the uh, signing of Jason Davidson at left back. Uh, probably one that we would have liked to have made, but I think in typical Melbourne victory fashion, we like to spend low when it comes to full-back positions and goalkeeper and stuff, and we like to put our money in other parts of the park. But and that's why we win trophies you know in Perth, Yeah, you're right. And Franjic as well as the other park, one they signed. We, we spend large on one player in the back four. You, know, you go back uh, last year, probably Williams was the, the highest you know, earning yep. one. Uh, before that, Del Pierre. Before that, uh, say Contreras. Well, he was a marquee, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, we, 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 we seem to like we've got that formula um, down pat for that back four. That that seems to be Kev's approach, you know. When it comes to the key players, uh, it's not always the case, um, but we never really liked to. Yeah, you know, we had Daniel Georgievsky, and you know, it's it's been well documented the dispute yeah. over over why he left the club. Around, you know, I think he wanted a, a, a reasonable, you know, nothing too bad of a yeah. pay rise, like something pretty modest and, you know, was basically shuffled out uh, after that. So, yeah, it's never been a part of the park that we spend big on. And, mm. you know, in, in recent years, we've also just gone for makeshift players in those roles as well. Yeah, it's, it's looking okay. We, we've got to hopefully a settle back four. We'll probably no. talk about that. I will not. We've got enough. We've got people who are playing the positions they were, you know, that's right. Yeah, they've, look, they've gone. We've got we've got a peg. We've got we've got a four pegged in for yeah. round one. Pretty much, yeah. Nick Ansell's return is, I guess, you know, a little bit of history repeating for us here on the podcast. It had to happen last though. year. Yeah. It had to happen. We all, we got one. I, like there is always the one revolving door yeah. policy, and I don't know. Some people are really wrapped with this one. Some people are really happy. Some people are not so happy about this one. I don't he's know. Just, he's, I don't know how to feel about it. Because when he left, I wasn't upset at all that he left. I was really surprised he got a gig in Portugal. And when he left, we ended up having a championship season. Well, Donicky, so, uh, so Donicky took over for him. And that was what? At, was it midway through? Oh, was he, he was in Europe for two seasons. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and and you just mentioned Donicky. We lost some pretty um, heart and soul players. Uh, mm-hmm. If we if we wind back to to the start of the run sheet, uh, um, you know, like losing Bessart uh, is obviously a huge one. Reese Williams, Thea that one Harris, that one was bullshit. Reese Williams, yeah, yeah that that, that, that that one actually pissed the club off royally. Did it because it was in his contract to have a release clause of a certain fee. So I believe this Saudi club came in and met that clause and the club couldn't argue. And I think, the, well, I'm saying that the club were pretty pissed because I th- I'm pretty sure that it was all released before the club could even release it. And they yeah, just, they just, they, they, he was in a shirt. He was yeah, in a shirt, he was in the, a shirt uh, before the club could even say boo, yeah. done overnight. And the club had just used him in the uh, new season merchandise and membership uh, mm-hmm. uh um, paraphernalia and all that kind of stuff. So they had to go back to the drawing board. So Reese was going to be a big part of the membership drive. And yeah, uh, yeah. So of... he, both both him and you know Bessart, the two youngsters, two Vuck boys. You know Thea Harris and Negro, and and Waring, Waring. 
the Japanese connection. He's actually gone over to Osaka. Um, he's half Japanese, uh, so that hence the connection there. More power to him, I guess. But um, it's J League. Didn't crack it enough in J League Two club, so it's okay. But if he's going to be able to not crack it. An A-League game, barely crack a start in the A-League and then get games in J-League too. Well well done to well, him. Well, worth noting as well that Jason Garrier has hardly played in uh, for his J-2 t- uh, team. So he could be another one that maybe comes back. I'm not sure if we have any use for well, him. Well, with Storm Rue there now, yeah. if, you know, is there room in the cap for two reasonably Pro- Probably goes back to a different right A-League backs. team. Yeah, it's quite likely. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, James Donachy, as we said. Uh, Leroy George is the name that is... Uh, Glowing there yeah. as the one departure. Did anyone ever think he was going to stay though? Uh, after after we chatted to him, probably after best left, I thought there might have been a chance. But obviously the club were, were pretty much already, you know, scoping something out. Wheels in motion. He seems like a mercenary type, uh, given yeah. given what's happened in the last few years of his career. You know, he uh, we talked about it. I think in the final episode, he's now thirty-ish, and it's that time when you sort of think, "I'm going to set my family up for life." He's gone to Bunny Us, which is Mark Milligan's old club in yes. the UAE. Uh, and the other two guys is uh, McGilp, released, and I believe he's currently or was recently trialing for Birmingham City. Uh, mm. I wonder how he went there. We haven't got an update on that. And Mitch Austin, uh, following his see you later, oh, see Jace. you later. Uh, you don't like Mitch Austin because no, no. he ate your he, dessert. He stole your dessert. Oh yes, we haven't told the story yet, <laughs> haven't you? No, we haven't told the story no, on the podcast. We, we had because we, we um we had the victory medal after the podcast, mm. the last podcast. So All we right. got we Re- got regale uh, our listeners with this story, Joseph. <sighs> what a night! Uh, we went to the victory <laughs> medal, and that was what about a few days after the final podcast of the year that we did with Stefan Popovich. Who was Shout a out, great, Steve. great guest, and hopefully we get him back on uh, sometime this season. And uh, we went to the victory medal. We got seated on the media was it, table, kind of media and also e league team. Bits and bobs kind of table. Yeah, which, a, I don't care. No. Put, put me on. Put me on the table out the back. And who whatever. turns up for this media? So I was Davidovich there. I can't remember him no, being there. He no. there this year. Some random Channel Ten journalist who comes to all of these, but I've never seen him report on anything. Uh, there was a few other ones, uh, a few other media, Joey Lynch, I think, from the Daily Football Show. Uh, and then I was seated next to the E-League player, um, not Mitch Austin, the other one, Mo. Mo yep, something. Mo. And, 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 Mo and Mo's guest. And his, and <laughs> and his guest. Uh, yeah, very alluring date, yes. shall we say. Uh, and I, I've been, I would say, vocal in my opinion of the E-League that I don't really... Uh, <laughs> would classify them as professional athletes. And I don't know if it's just jealousy. I'm maybe a bit envious of these cunts. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> these, these guys. These You've been guys, in America too long. These guys play, you know, FIFA and they get classed as athletes and they get to sit on media tables. And, you know, I was looking at okay. <laughs> that one. Uh, yeah, and uh, I think I tweeted something out about the uh, the E-League. Oh, I'm seeing next to an E-League player. The club surely having me on because, you know, I was so vocal on the, for fuck's sake, Twitter about... And you've also developed a bit, of a, a bit of an animosity towards Brisbane Raw's uh, E-League uh, representative who... Uh, <laughs> I think I think the best reply to that tweet, sorry, was uh, old mate Faz, who's always good with the bands, yeah. coming back going, oh, I bet you he's thrilled he's sitting next to an amateur podcaster. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, over the course of the night, you know, you, you have your dinner and they, they count the votes out and things like that. I think I got up to go have a cigarette and Mitch Austin came to, he was on the players, uh, the players table. And he came back to sit 
uh, well, sit on my table, my seat next to, to Mo. And they're chatting away or whatever. And this is the time they're serving dessert. So um, I'm outside having a cigarette, waiting to return to my dessert. And Mitch Austin's sitting in my seat. And I come back and my dessert is gone. Mitch Austin has eaten my dessert. And I'm, I'm telling you, oh, I saw it unfold and I knew what was up. And with Mitch Austin, there were no fucks given. Yep. <laughs> he, just... he did not care. And I reckon he might have even probably had a sense of, I'm going to get this guy. Yeah, and no doubt Mitch Austin has also gone back to his own table and polished off his own dessert. So he had two well, desserts you know that what? night. It was his parting uh, little gift from the club. It was his last meal. It was his last meal. It was his last, last meal. So I hope you enjoyed it, Mitch Austin. And uh, enjoying See the... See you at... Uh, enjoy the NPL. NPL. Probably the New South Wales Premier League, I'd say. He's probably going to go back there. I think he's a, a Sydney-born. But, um, yeah, he's not going to be part of the squad this season. Uh, so we're going to talk about all this, are we? We're going to do this now or do this later? I guess we're already halfway through. Uh, what do we want to talk about next? The ins? We'll yeah, about well, Corey we've, we've kind of gone through that a little bit. Corey Brown from Brisbane Raw, Storm Rue from Central Coast Mariners. So two fullbacks, left and right. Corey will be our left back yes. and probably the starting left back. Um you know, Kenny Athew, uh, his loan deal became permanent in the off-season. So he is no longer a Heidelberg player. He is now a fully-fledged Victorian. Should be hopefully on very minimal coin, a good piece of business for the club, especially because right now he's our number one striker. Yes. Nick Ansel, we discussed that. He comes back to bolster the central defensive stocks. And speaking of central defensive stocks, our first foreign signing of the off-season was George Niedermeyer. Georg, I think. Georg. Yeah. Uh, SC Freiburg. You know what? We talk about a lot about recycled players and things like that. And, you know, we get a little bit dispirited because, you know, we get recycled players. Um, it's a testament to the club that players want to come back. And it's also a testament to the club that players like Georg signed because he basically signed on the recommendation of players like uh, Del Pierre, Rojas and Mitch Langerak. So, well done to the club. Obviously, they're cultivating a culture um, which, you know, entices players to come back if they're fouled elsewhere and also putting in a good word for, for you know, quality players such as Georg, who, for all intents and purposes, looks like a, a clone of Del Pierre. Mm. Yeah, on paper, looks to be a terrific acquisition. Obviously, time will tell. With the Reese Williams replacement. Yeah, yeah, yeah so exactly. So look, Came at a beautiful time too. When you look at the ins and outs, you know, the outs, we, we've already gone through them. Um, the one gaping hole when it comes to ins is a, a striker. Mm-hmm. And But is there a chance, boys, that the next person we're going to talk about, the last person on that ins list, Mr. Honda, is there a chance that Kev will look to deploy him as a striker? Oh, I don't know. Before we do that, though, I want to talk mm. about Honda. I want to talk about him in depth. Yes. But we really brushed over the departure of Bessart Barisha. Uh, thoughts on that, and int- it just—it seemed like a, a, probably a great move for the club. And in, in the end, he we got a, a transfer fee out of him, and uh, a player that we weren't too sure whether he'd, you know, kind of on the the wrong side of thirty on the on the gradual decline, despite the fact that he put up some decent numbers in terms of uh, goal scoring last year. Just a bizarre move in, in terms of the club that he did go to. He went to a J-League team who were uh, clear on top of the table by eight points, the best attack in the league. With their um, top striker in the league. Top striker mm-hmm. in the league, who I think two foreign strikers already. And uh, he's played a total of 23 minutes in the last six weeks. I don't know how his agent did it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And 
people will look back on Bessard as the greatest striker the club's ever had, arguably, the with league. Archie Thompson. The yeah, league, the league's ever seen. But could we carry him again as a foreign spot, as a marquee going into a, an Asian Champions League campaign? Uh, I think a lot of people were quite uh, upset at the prospect of us going into this season again with um, Troisi and Bessart Barisha as our two marquee spots. And when he left and he went to the, the J-League, it opened up a huge opportunity for us, which we've seized. And people were saying it was the right time. I believe it was the right time uh, because I don't think Bessart Barisha would have been someone that would have sat at Melbourne Victory under the cap. Agree. Yep. Right time and ecstatic that we got some coin out of it. Mm. Um, it that, that's the real big thing here. And probably a lot of that coin is going to pay for our new marquee. Yeah, so we get rid of uh, one of the league's most polarising players and we get the replacement, or the marquee at least, replacement, who's set to probably be the same kind of polarising figure amongst A-League fans and also probably Melbourne Victory fans because uh, Keske Honda is a big signing, but he is going to bring some baggage, some controversy, some circus-like antics from the media. Can I, can I just say it? Yeah, go for it. All right. We're probably never going to interview him. I no. don't care. I think Honda's a dickhead. <laughs> I agree. He's Cahill-esque. I thought we were going to go in soft with this. Nah, uh, like, no, no, no. I've got, pun- got to give the punters what they want. That's it. Um, um, Case- why? Tell us why. Tell us why. Case K Honda on his Twitter and uh, Chris Alloy from Destruction in the Box. Ripping bloke. Very, very funny. You should listen to him on uh, Destruction in the Box. The other the other guys will hate me for saying that. But <laughs> we've um, been making fun quite a bit of... Uh, SK Honda over this journey of him coming in. His his bio on Twitter just says human man. And then within all the other blurb he has is angel investor. And he has some angel investing going on with um Will Smith. Yes. God's sake. And then um he had a LeBron James type uh scenario where he was doing an announcement and he was sitting on the water. Wearing two watches. Wearing two watches. Uh, I think he wears two watches for balance. Yeah, that's what I heard. Unbelievable. And so, he was, what, was he in the Bahamas or something? Something like that. He's in the Bahamas yeah. or something like that. Um, it's come to light now that he's going to also, as our marquee, do a video link to the Cambodian Football Federation to be, is it their general manager, Dave? Their general manager, yeah. Yeah, it's or their, or their strange, manager. strange role that uh, is just... Popped and up. You know what as well? I, I thought, you know, this broke yesterday afternoon and there was a little confusion over it because there's a lot of translated articles and a lot of people trying to, to figure out what was going on. There was talk that he was the head coach and then talk that he's just a general manager. It looks like it might be a combination of the two, but it's going to be fairly, not really hands-on. He's going to be doing this video link. Yep. Like, it's like a... Well, kind of like a, I've got a, a little, motivational I've got talk. a little nugget for you, boys. Yeah. Oh, yes. All right. Oh, you got you got the, the news. The club knew about this Honda association with the Cambodian FA, uh, and I can tell you now that that decision what was actually made him take the offer at Melbourne Victory because we just said so you that do he what could, you want. so that he could stay reasonably local. It's not something that he might have been able to manage in say the MLS from a time zone perspective and things like that. So, in actual fact, we need to thank our Cambodian friends uh, because it's okay. enabled us to actually have Honda on our books. 
I'm surprised the club haven't released something at least, like an article saying, you know, we are we are fully aware of this during negotiations Honda because it makes them look more, like they were blindsided. Yeah, you've touched on it here. You've you've used the word dickhead. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm yeah I'm, I may be swayed as the season progresses to that point of view, but I think Honda when we've signed a player who's more than just a footballer, and we've signed a guy who is basically in terms of his non-footballing activities. Tim Kale on steroids. He's yeah. Tim Kale. On... There's 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 so much going on with what he's doing that it will be a bit of a circus. It will be a wild ride, Vuck fans. Yeah. It's going to be, and you know, some of it's going to be painful. Yeah. But hopefully, the football is what he, he's yeah, a dickhead until he bags a brace against City in the round one. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's only a year, so enjoy it because he's not going. Yeah. He's not going to stick. He's not sticking around for um, he's our dickhead. He's our dickhead. He's our dickhead. He's like, yeah. Cause, well, because we lost one, Borussia, yeah. <laughs> so we may, get, may as well go. I've got in early on this because we, we've we put a rod on our... made a rod for our own back with the amount of shit we've given Tim Cahill over the years. So yes. we've just... We've we just are aware of the irony. Yeah, we've, we've just got to fess up to it and go, you know, we, we're conditioned to this. We had Borussia for, for God's sake, three, four seasons, so yeah. we're okay. We have had Kevin Musket forever. So we're all right. Um, Keske... Kasuke, there's like five ways yeah, you can pronounce I'm it correctly. Because I, I keep saying people see, keep saying Kazuki, and uh, we get like comments saying it's, it's wrong. So I'm gonna say Kasuke because I think Grego Rourke was doing his best good bloke Japanese kind of. Uh, he'd been told pronounce it Kasuke, so in the unveiling he was saying Kasuke. Okay, so you so, you raise a point where does where does he play? Because it raises some questions about what happens to Teresi. Yeah, um, we also don't have a striker signed. I I think. I would play him centrally, and James, yep. James Teresi in his first team at Melbourne Victory did his best work on the wing. And for the Socceroos, yeah. yeah. It's hard to see Kev not utilising Honda centrally. Uh, to, to my way of thinking, he's just way too talented to be wasted out mm. wide and get getting the occasional ball. I think he has to pull the strings. He's yeah. that kind of player. Um, the solution, you know, if we do not get that kind of proper left winger to, to replace... Leroy you know, is perhaps to alternate James Troisi and Honda. You know, occasionally flick one out left and move the other one centrally. They're both capable in that role. Where perhaps this will kill us, we're going to lose that kind of speed on mm-hmm. the left. Both, you know, Troisi isn't quick at all anymore. I think you know, in his earlier days of his career, he did play a lot out on the left, though. So. It, the question also has to be asked, you know, does the arrival of Honda result in Kev perhaps tweaking things? Well, as I say, it seems like, I don't know, we're probably just, you know, uh, assuming here that I, I feel like the formation is going to stay the same, but with the players that we have signed and also the acquisition of Antonis throughout the, uh, the middle of last year, it maybe gives us a bit of flexibility to change our formation and style halfway through a game. If things aren't working, you can bring you know, Antonis forward. You can maybe shift Honda to a striker role. So you can maybe there's that flexibility to actually change it up a little bit mid-game, which we didn't well, have in the past. we've only got one game to go by. It was against Perth, and, yeah. he, and it was a 4-2-3-1, yeah. as usual with Kev. So... Then again, the personnel on offer that night was different. Was well, yeah, it was much the same as what we already had on our books, uh, except for the two fullbacks in Brown and Rue. So, uh, look, uh, he wouldn't be lost up front, Honda. This is going to be surely he a plays very, at the ten, though. Yeah, exactly. Surely he wants to play at the ten. He'd want to play at ten, and also, 
I don't see why we wouldn't use these two remaining foreign spots. There was a rumour, a very strong rumour, about us being in for Jamie McLaren. That didn't happen, so there must be a striker on their way to the club. Yeah, slightly happy about that because Jamie McLaren's a Sunbury boy where I'm from and there's only enough room for one of us. Oh. Wouldn't like him being the number one Sunbury boy. You can only have one come back and Jace came back, so... Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? No, I forgot. Went off my top of my head. Well, what number are we going to give Honda? Because number ten's gone. I'm, I'm, I'm more than okay for Cascade. He'll, my he'll boy, do some, he'll my do boy, something stupid. He'll do a ninety-nine. It'll, or a yeah, fucking, it'll be something to four's set gone. Him apart. Four's yeah, gone. It'll be something. Yeah, something flamboyant. His four for Japan. He was ten for Milan. Uh, they're both gone in our squad, so it needs something marketable. There's not too many numbers left. Our colleague, My colleague and I at work were looking. I think number 11 may be available. That's no, he's going high. He's going something over 50. K, KSK 69? Yeah, something like that. Well, didn't yeah, I, yeah, fuck yeah. If he's like Tim <laughs> Kale, as we're kind of intimating yes. so far in our discussion, he'll yeah. pick something out that is... Uh, you know, different and yeah. something that his brand will identify with. Absolutely. Uh, just touching back on the uh, omissions as well. Stefan Negro, I thought, was a pretty interesting uh, omission or a, a departure or a release because um, it took about a month or two months before he actually announced that he had a new team. So he didn't have anything lined up. It was simply the team probably just cutting him. Um, I thought he had a lot to give. Melbourne Vitrine, I was really disappointed to see him actually depart. So, yeah, I thought it was a bit of a weird one. Didn't play the worst grand final. I thought he was all right in the grand yeah. final. He got thrown in mm-hmm. in the deep end. Um, yeah, I thought I thought that was a bit of a tough one. But I think for his career, he had to make the move. Yeah, yeah, and probably, that's probably the, uh, the correct case there. Let's talk about some of the rumours as well because there, there uh, were no shortage of rumours uh, of players linked. We talked about Jamie McCurran before. Would have been a good signing. Um, almost too good to be true when I heard that rumour. It seemed like it was very, very close to being over the line. But given his form towards the end of the Scottish uh, League season in which he scored that hat-trick, there's no way that uh, there wasn't going to be an interested team somewhere if he wanted to play his trade in Europe still. So, um, yeah, I don't know where that rumour came from. It was from. a mad move for him. Mm. Like, they love him at Hibs and you could see the look on his face when he was holding that scarf above his head when they uh, mm-hmm. they announced that he was back on board for them, that uh, I think he loves them just as much. Yeah, uh, so we're linked with a Dutch uh, midfielder, um, another def- defensive midfielder, as if we need more of those. Um, Danny Holler, actually we probably do need one now because we're not too sure about Carl Valeri and how he's going to hold up over mm. the course of the season. Um, Danny Holler, um, yeah, he... Seemed like he was close, and then maybe reneged. Yeah, something happened at the eleventh uh, hour with that one, and uh, we missed out. Another one linked to us uh, was Denny Urich, well, brother of Tommy. Was that? I'm not sure. Not? It's not so much that he was linked with us, but I wrote that down as a oh, potential okay. uh, to addition at. to the club. Uh, he's the brother of Tommy, released by Hydeuk Split. Um, young striker worth looking at, perhaps. But uh, look, there's no nothing there of mm. substance that I'm aware of. And uh, Mark Milligan is back in Melbourne. He's been spotted around Melbourne, but it looks like he might be going to the cross-town rivals in Melbourne City who desperately need to sign someone because they haven't made much of a noise this off-season. And it just seems like we keep waiting for Melbourne City for the pain to drop a little bit, for them to become this you know dominant force well, in the A-League, and it's just not happening. They've become basically this farming object of the City Football Group where they're quite content for 
the Melbourne satellite branch to just be this production thing that that from what I hear they they don't actually invest apart from what they've done out at Bandura. They're not prepared to spend the big money apart from Tim Cale, I guess, but if you look at the marquees that they've brought in, Robert Corrin and uh last year's one uh Budzinski, these these guys uh both were called their marquees but didn't really deliver on that front at all. It's a strange one. Um, Arzani has left them, so that that's an interesting scenario. I don't know that Milligan. I mean, would that be the greatest move? They've already got uh, they've got Bratton and they've got uh, a couple of other midfielders already in that sort of space. Uh, it doesn't seem to make much sense to me. Mark Milligan's a great player, but I feel like any A League team that takes him on is just taking a risk because his attitude is not right towards playing in Australia it just nah, seems, always seems like a last resort for him. And, um, yeah, I'm not too sure if, he's, if his attitude is right for, uh, for an A-League team to take uh, on. I think, I think he would do a job for, for one of the, the lesser light teams. Like if he went back to Newcastle or if he went to Central Coast, he could be a pivotal player there. I can but... only imagine how he'd feel, you know, trying to get this deal <laughs> in Europe and ending up in Newcastle. Yeah, well, Graham Arnold, Graham Arnold came out uh, recently and made a comment about Milligan's career and that he's still yearning and pining for that European contract. Well, yeah, look, what would you say, uh, boys, if if we actually signed him under the cap? I'd be unhappy oh, because it's not he's, gonna, he's it's, not liked. Yeah, it's not going to happen. You saw from the uh, the Instagram of all the boys with the, and the VAR was broken, yeah. oh, and we didn't like him anyway, oh, all that stuff. There was a, a th- it wasn't even a thinly veiled, there was a straight up, Jab yeah. at Mark Milligan from the um from all the boys and they all got around it as well. So he wouldn't be walking back into our dressing room no matter how much we we're paying him. Absolutely, uh, contract extensions. Lee Broxham, the uh, the utility, um, once again, he's probably not going to be in the starting eleven, we'll but he's going to finish in the starting eleven, no doubt. <laughs> uh, Lawrence Thomas, a great piece of business for the team there. Carl Valeri, surprisingly, he it, it was his call in the end. I think that the club left it up to Carl Valeri to, um, to decide whether he wants to go on or not, and he'll probably go on for one more season. Um, his form to, towards the end of the season was good. His, yeah. form his finals season. was really good. Yeah. I think he you know, warrants another year based on that. Uh, but he's going to be a scapegoat. If, if things go wrong, he's going to be a scapegoat. Well, who's the next captain? Because you you probably wouldn't give it to a Broxham having just said what we said because he's probably not starting 11. He'll probably finish. But who is the next captain? Uh, Who'd I'd, be the next I'd, captain? I'd go to Laurie Thomas. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good shout, Jace. Uh, he's, he's been at the club for a long time, extremely good leader and very vocal out on the pitch and, yeah. and much loved by the boys. So that's a pretty good shout. Has Carl... Uh, Drop the captaincy. Are you no. telling me something no, I haven't heard? No, no, no. Well, I'm saying, who, I'm saying, you gotta, you can't Beyond just, throw, you can't give, like, get rid of too much leadership too quickly. Who would be the next one? And I think it's probably a good move that he sticks around. Do do we have more leaders in our in our ranks? Because Tracy's definitely not a captain. No, nor is you know uh, Costa. Yeah, or neither any was Barisha or any of those guys. So yeah, so Laurie Thomas sort of stands out out of the bunch that we have right now. Uh, as a potential successor. Mm. Uh, Josh Hope got a contract extension and Nicholas Sete and Burkan Kadar. Excited uh, for this kid. We've got Kadar. Kadar. Burkan Kadar. Promoted, promoted from the youth team. You don't understand. Dave's songs are off. He's had a big <laughs> off-season with the He's songs. He's practicing. Suki Honda. Suki Honda. 
uh, and uh, some changes in the back room. Yeah, lots um, of lots of changes. So some promising ones and some interesting ones. John Paul de Marinet is uh, someone who left. He joined the Wanderers as an assistant there under the new manager, Marcus Babel. Um, now, when he left last time, t- things turned to shit. Uh, we, we really played good football and a lot of the success was attributed to JP and then he came back and you know we won a championship again. So um, he's a big loss, but it seemed like we have replaced him with someone with some impressive credentials. Carlos Perez. You can pronounce that. Salvachua. Salvachua. Would you say, but would you back me up on that pronunciation? Yeah. Look, uh, the CV speaks volumes. He's a UEFA Pro licence holder. He's come from Real Valladolid and uh, has had time with Villarreal and at Real Madrid as well. He was uh, on the coaching staff at Real Madrid for over six years uh, during a pretty important period there. He was in Mexico as well, wasn't he? Guadalajara. Yes. (laughs) So um, this is a, you know, he is going to be Kev's. Brains trust. Yeah. Mate, that was Del Piero, uh, not Del Piero, that was Di Pietro putting a uh, a highly pedigreed yeah. UEFA position under Kev to say, oi, this is what we're going to do now. And we uh, we did speak about this last year, we that there were going to be some moves made within the back rooms and, at bo- and the board, le- board wanted some uh, day-to-day club operations um, put into place and Kevin needs to take a back seat on many things. So so is that just, I missed this piece of news as well, Rob Sherman has a new role at the club called General Manager of Technical and Coaching. So is that something that um, the club have identified that, yeah, we talked about Kevin wasn't, delegating, wasn't delegating enough. Looks like this is a newly created role. Um, yeah, and this could be the, quite the big one. It, as you said, newly created role, General Manager Tactical, sorry, General Manager Technical and, and coaching. coaching. Uh, so, look, he's going to be a kind of a mentor, sort of sitting above not just Kev, but other aspects of Melbourne Victory's footballing program. So, the National Youth League, our women's program, and our National Premier League teams. Um, I don't know. It, like, I don't think he's going to be the kind of you know the guy right next to Kev on 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 the touchline, so to speak. He, he's probably going to step into where that academy director was, that guy Paolo Cardoso, who's left the club. Okay. Uh, so that's where Sherman will kind of sit in as kind of this umbrella role, sort of... Yeah, it's basically like a technical director role. Yeah. And Jess Van Stratton, who you might remember, played against us at the uh, the Juve game back in 2008. He's replacing Dean, the fuck did I do, Anastasiadis. What the fuck, the fuck did, did I do? I do? <laughs> He's moved on. <laughs> That's a shame. I actually, he'd be attainable for a podcast, Anastasiadis. Uh, yeah. When do you fucking want me on? <laughs> what am what? I going to say that's interesting? What do you want to talk about? That <laughs> night in Sydney? Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would have some absolute ripper yeah. yarns from that night. Absolutely, oh, what, yeah. a night what a night that's, that that's, was. That's slightly sad that the, uh, the two big hitters... From that night. The carny boom, boom. assaulters. Yeah, the carny. <laughs> Jeez, what a night that was. Oh, fuck. Ripper. Um, so that's all on the backroom side of things. Um, let's talk about what happened just uh, in general around the league. And uh, also, I think we'll talk about as well the North Terrace. But uh, let's talk about this uh, loan system that happened during the off-season. So there's been pressure. Ugh, all, this is a mess. All around the league for a while to kind of overhaul the way in which player movement happens across the league where 
Yeah, not just from a loan perspective, but also from the perspective of transfers. We haven't quite reached the whole transfers area yet, although mutual termination seems to be the system whereby players move from one A-League club to another. But the first loan deal that happened as a result of this policy change was Danny De Silva from the Central Coast, probably the most accomplished player at that club, moved to Sydney FC. And weirdly enough, Central Coast are paying a percentage of his wages. It it just seems farcical. it seems like Central Coast have kind of uh, it's kind of this defeatist thing. Well, we're not going to have him anyway. We may as well put him in the shop window at Sydney FC and perhaps get a fee at the end of it. And it's so, so that cynical. Seems, that seems ridiculous because is putting him in the shop window is is like is that is sending him to Sydney FC putting him in the shop window? Like think of the players that have come through, especially CCMs. Your ranks. They've had Jedernak. They've had Rogic. Sainsbury. Sainsbury. They've got Ryan. some huge players who they've you know they've given up and. It must have been a case of he was contracted, and they've come to some kind of impasse in their relationship, and the only option for them was to loan him out. We heard we had a well-respected guest on this podcast once who told us that his uh, old man. Pulls all the strings. Very, you know, a, a Bernard Tomich dad type, oh, and you know, a Demir Dokich type. Ugly parent on the sidelines. So yeah. I'm sure that um, he might have been behind this. Is he still not owned partially by Roma? Oh, I think Roma may have washed their hands with Danny De Silva because there's you just it just keeps coming back to players. And you remember when Troisi was. Part owned by At Atlanta and part owned by Juventus, right. and yes. his career was in limbo, and it was just a mess. Kids that get involved with these Italian clubs that are fringe players, bad things happen with the moves they make, and if their contracts aren't kind of just given a clean break, it gets messy and murky. And it I does. feel something's still playing out with this. Let's look, this system it was a bad look. Pure, for that pure, to be the purely first one. because yep. we're, we're not going to talk Wellington Phoenix here. Like, let's just eradicate them. They've gone from the worst team. So basically the best team in the league has taken the worst team's marquee player on yep. loan and the worst team is still pl- paying a percentage of it. Now, I'm not going to hate on this loan system completely because there is going to be one day where our club takes advantage of this system. And that's I, good, mate. You're setting yourself up uh, nicely well, yeah, there for gonna, yeah. It's good because no I, hypocrisy. I, I, I had I had big big um, discussions about this the morning. Haven't because as as a league, it looked shit house. It looked shit house because the, so bad. You'd think the whole point of introducing this kind of system is where a talented player just can't break into a, a Melbourne Victory or a Sydney FC, but could do a job. For a Wellington or a Central Coast. That's the kind of logic that this loan system is supposed to support. But it's what's going to go the other way in we get the, the worst team's best young players and loan them out until their contract expires and then inevitably sign them or you know send them off mm. somewhere else. So, yeah, it's... it's but it's, apparently in yeah. this situation with Danny De Silva, it was untenable. Like, he, he wanted out. I that, think, that after, I think once, once Ocon had gone, he was just yeah. like, fuck this, join him out. I'm... Like, Oh, look, it had to happen, and we need reform 
<laughs> on so many fronts uh, in Australian football. It's it's ridiculous that there hasn't been a proper transfer system introduced oh, we're yet such in a general. Back, we're such a backwater. Like, we really yeah. are. We've got the VAR, but we can't have a transfer system mm. anyway. With, with the salary cap as well, you can't, you can't be too scared of it, you know, uh, kind of going towards one team one way or the other. Like, it's not going to benefit one team to sign all the best players through these transfers. Yeah, I mean, let's just stop teams. being so restricted. Let's be innovative. Let's shake the tree. Let's let's try hey, new things. we are innovative. We're the first league to try out the VAR. <laughs> we're, we're ahead of the curve. <laughs> it was a successful trial. Hey, it was broken and we won. <laughs> <laughs> uh, North Terrace, let's talk about some North Terrace. We... Uh, we don't like getting into the politics of the North Terrace, but a very big uh, kind of uh, piece of news from the off-season is that uh, Standing Room um, and GA has been or GA has been reintroduced into the North Terrace. Yeah. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's still some you still need a home and membership and things like that. But General is a, admission is a big thing, though. Yeah. Um, so freedom of movement. Yeah, the ability to just decide on the day that you want to stand in the North Terrace. It's been something that pioneers of the North Terrace have been seeking for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I know that there have been people in the background working towards negotiating this. It's always been a kind of a non-negotiable for a lot of people. And I think the club, the club have sort of looked at the situation of the last season and the drop-off in crowd numbers. And there is a definite connection between the drop-off of the Northern Terrace, or shall we say the disappearance mm. of the North Terrace, and overall crowd numbers. A lot of those guys won't come back, though. Um, but it's up to, I guess, the the incumbents, the back row Melbourne, yeah, to yeah. kind of build it up again. And there was you know, signs towards the end of the last season when they were doing their own thing towards the side. Um, on Amy Park, at Amy Park, that you know, it started to bring back the numbers. So it's on. It's up to them now to you know take that ball and, and run with it. Um, I hope that this means the end of all the dramas until the next thing happens. Never. It's not. It's not the end until the next um, thing happens. We've but... all been around long enough to know that this is a cycle that just revolves over and over again. There's give, there's take. Someone stuffs up in the crowd. The reaction of the powers that be is excessive. You end up in this cycle that just keeps happening and then all the privileges you get get taken away. Look, I'm we're cynical because we've seen this before over and over again. What I'm hoping happens this time is that, A, both sides of the fence treat this as a new page in the active supporter yeah. history and just treat each other with respect and I would say the onus is probably more on the security and the stadium and the club and the FFA to not just punish everyone when one dude or one lady stuffs up or Mm -hmm. what have you that's the problem you just just punish the individual don't punish the entire terrace absolutely it's it's tough to, to do that sometimes because the Terrorist protects the individual, and it's hard to decide for who did it, and then you accuse the wrong person, and then uh, yeah. it's, it's baseless, uh, imperfect, imperfect system. All of that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, transfer action around the league. We talked a little bit about Perth Globe. There were some also uh, some more rumours around other teams, and also the uh, the big news of um, Usain Bolt. It's. <clears throat> The rumour mill this season, sorry, this off-season, has 
has been the craziest ever. A lot of it's, I think, has been perpetuated by the world game. Uh, there's been a lot of furfies thrown around. Um, and really none of them have come off. Like, who, who have we been... Who's this league been uh, associated with? So it start, Iniesta, started with an Iniesta. Torres. Torres. So we had Honda. Honda's may come to fruition. Uh, there's been Carlos Tevez. There's been Samuel Eto. The latest one, I think, Alvaro Negredo. I thought it was done. I haven't heard anything of it in the last... Apparently, week. his wage demands were about $7 million, $8 million. <laughs> And Sydney said they'd pay like a third of that or something like... Well, there's only one. Lines. There's only about... How much is left in the Fox Sports pool? There's $3 million. $1.5 million left. $1.5 million left. You can get yeah, thereabouts. You can yeah. get someone okay for that. It's been big, I think. Who else was there? There was a couple more, and I was like, these are never going to happen. Hmm. Uh, Flamini? Ah, yes. yeah, Flamini to Brisbane Raw. Yeah. That one fell apparently, over too. Apparently, was quite close to getting over. That the line. was similar to a few of the ones we've had in the past, where it seems like he committed, then kind of had this second change of heart or change. Yeah, yeah probably looked into Brisbane and went. Mm, nah. He probably saw the uh, the numbers <laughs> yeah. being uh, sticky taped to the back of the uh, yeah. jerseys and thought, I don't want a part of it's this. It's probably the first thing that comes up on Google in Google <laughs> Brisbane Raw, isn't it? Probably the fucking the, the farce of that. Um, Let's talk about Bolt, though. Good or bad? Shocking. Bad, bad, bad. I I don't care about the whole publicity side of things. You know, like, the better publicity that has existed for Central Coast was when they were a successful, thriving team. They were getting decent crowds, you know. For a, for a club like that to get 10,000 people as they were during their successful seasons, that's a great result. We're obsessed with crowd figures here. Gosford is a smaller town. We, we've got to expect that a certain number is, is, is a good number. Look, I think the whole Look central the coast, the actual created. coast, the actual area is only yeah. 300,000. You know, and tell me what is more important for Gosford and the central coast, having this literal, like, gimmick which is what this is, versus having the squad that just took the field for the nation in Russia, Central Coast were probably the most represented A-League club out of every player in the Socceroos. Matt Ryan, Mila Yedinak, and we're talking the important players, Tommy. Trent Sainsbury. Mm. You know, that, to me, is more important in terms of what Central Coast need to be trying to achieve and not Usain Bolt. Mm-hmm. I thought initially it was a great thing. I thought, you know, world's fastest man... He's, you know, has a known love of I'm football. I'm pretty sure you're faster than him now. Like, uh, he's not he's not running anymore, is he? Like, you've got to slow down he, a I bit. I think he retired 2016. Was that last his last year. Olympics? Last Are year. you saying you saying Bolt wouldn't be fast anymore, <laughs> Dave? Everyone gets slower with age. You know? I can, I can he's vouch for that. He's still not quick. The Bolt. Not I, thought, the Bolt. I thought it'd be a great thing. You know, world's fastest man who's loved football has surely played as a child, has, you know, grown up with it. Probably, you know, he would have, you know, been doing sprinting and play playing football after sprinting practice. And I thought... Great. I thought, you know, he'd beat everyone. He'd burn everyone for pace. You know, yeah, and then the he'd rest, blow he it could... over the bar. Well, then, well, then um, someone on the fuck'sake.com forum linked me to uh, highlights from a charity game that he played at, I think it might have been Old Trafford yep. last year or something like that. And if you look at, it's like a 12-minute video, and I watched it all because it was, it was co- uh, compulsive viewing. And he's got the pace, but he's got no kind of skill once he gets the ball. He just doesn't know what to do with it. He's, his pace... Um, diminishes really quickly because he doesn't know what to do with the ball. Offside more than Archie Thompson. Um, I'd say we, we've called uh, Kenny Athew, you know, a bit like a uh, baby giraffe on roller skates. He's that times 10 
um, can't shoot, so he he won't he won't contribute anything to them. Is the A League really in a position where it needs to indulge the fantasies of, of a professional in another sport? Like, in, are in, we in, really in at in that terms point? of in be. terms of viewership and commercial revenues in Australia? Probably, like probably yeah. It's 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 viewed like. FFA and Football Australia is viewed from the outsiders as an absolute basket case. Mm. Well, that's, uh, that's look, and all of this news and all of the excitement of this off season is, I guess, held back a bit by all this Congress shit that just keeps on. Of course, of course, and and, and, and into the in the bolt um, <clears throat> discussion. If he makes the grade in the A League, it's a disaster. Mm. Uh, it's interesting contrast because today. On social media, you saw. Do you see the Wayne Rooney effort? Mm-hmm. Just good to see what a marquee can do, like an actual dead set marquee can do for the league. You know, moments like that, and Ibrahimovic has you know pulled out some some good highlights as well. That's why I'm really really excited for for Honda because he's going to have those moments. And, you know, oh, definitely. That's not going to. So it's it's going to the, the publicity will last a little while, but you know it's not going to keep fans coming back. It might have a uh, you know maybe a entice fans of entice the average Joe to, to watch a Central Coast game once and then I don't think they'll, they'll oh, keep look, going back. It'll be it'll be a a, a travelling circus mm. if it happens and people will come to laugh at him and boo at him and just yell out you're not you're not so fast now, you mm. can't shoot for shit well it'll it'll be it'll be funny. Uh you want to talk about the FIFA Congress? Oh, sorry, the FFA Congress. Oh, let's not dwell on it too much, other yeah. than the fact that this whole saga has been going on for two years now, and in the most recent uh, developments, we've seen yet another stalemate. There's there's a proposal on the table that has apparently been sort of drawn up. Um, it took me a little while to kind of decipher it all, but at the end of the day, the FFA uh, in their in their current state are recommending for it not to be adopted. And so we are in the exact same position that we were when this story evolved first, you know, around two years ago now. So we don't appear to be any closer. And with this, this actually has a huge, uh, has potential impacts that could be, you know, as far reaching as, you know, having our national teams removed or mm. barred from competition. So this is serious and that it's it's a political power struggle at the moment. Uh I think the phrase that I've heard it is that it just keeps coming back to money and power. The A League clubs want a greater say in how the game is run and they base that argument based on the fact that they create the bulk of the revenue for the FFA. The counter-argument to that is that the FFA are of the view that nine Australian professional clubs shouldn't have, and and mind you, only about half of them are Australian Mm -hmm. in terms of ownership, why should they have a greater say in how the game is run when you consider the the bulk of the the nation isn't just nine professional clubs? So it's very messy. It doesn't look like it's going to be solved yet. FIFA are probably going to be the ones who just basically make a call at some stage. Mm. Uh, another interesting point from the off-season is a good friend of Melbourne Victory, or not really, uh, Libo Milicevic has retired from football. Vibes. Yeah. Um, the kid. He's, You know what? He's the Loch Ness Monster of Havak's sake. Uh, 
tried to get him on, tried to have a chat with him. Uh, I'm just looking through, just I've got my phone up here, just going back to my messages. Uh, we kicked off this podcast back in September of 2015. I messaged him on Facebook in March of 2016, asking to see if we get him on the show. At, the, at that stage, we had a few guests on, but it wasn't really a notable podcast at all. Um, he replied back saying, um, what was it here? Uh, hey, man, I hope you're well. Your show sounds like it could possibly have a fun take on the game and victory, but I don't really see the point in expressing my views on my time there. Although I may entertain you a little, it's old news to quote someone more uh, with more wisdom than myself. All things must pass, George Harrison. Um, so that was in March of 2016. Didn't hear anything from him, and then uh, in December of 2016, some nine months later, Didn't he, messages, he come back with an "Alas, I have woken." He yes. messages me from the out of the, out of the blue. "Alas, I have woken from my slumber. I have shunned the media for a while. I am about ready to chat again." I think during this time, he spoke to the World Game later. During that little nine-month period, he was just like. I think drinking and wanking. That's what he said to the world game. I was just drinking and watching porn all the time in my parents' basement, if I, if I remember my history correctly. Sounds about right. Near, uh, the lem- near the lemon tree. I'm about ready to chat again. So there's still a genuine interest. I'd love to be up for it in the near future. I hope your podcast is still alive and kicking. And I was like, yes, we've got him. Let's do it. And then I tried to get him to, uh, to do it like straight away. And then he's like, okay, mate, I'm glad you guys are thriving. Just thought I would touch base. Um, before Christmas might be too soon, but after Christmas I might be ready to have a laugh and get deep. Um, that was about the time. I actually that, know no other way. That was about the time he was uh, he made his comeback for Danny Nong City. Yeah, and yeah. you know, about a year ago to the day, I was at a Bucks party, and one of the venues was on Smith Street, uh-huh. and we were outside, and uh, I saw him walking past, and I gave him a "Hey there, yeah, bote," <laughs> and he turned around and gave me the uh, the. The Ridgy Didge yeah, kind of gesture. So, yeah, Lubo. Look, it's a character. A character It's a loss to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, such an enigma. He'll yeah. never write that book either. No. It looked like he was really getting some momentum with his Instagram posts. It was yeah, some so, serious... Uh, goodbye, Lubo. Um, on to bigger and better things, I'm sure. Coffee's on Bondi. Yeah. Now, this uh, the batteries on this recorder is going to go out soon. We're going for over an hour, so I have to wrap this up pretty quickly. All right, before we uh, lose the podcast. Uh, next game, tomorrow night, uh, no, Wednesday night at Bentley Greens. Uh, apparently the first uh, appearance of Cascade Honda. We'll see what he's up to. I'm sure there'll be a circus that follows him. Um, there's going to be a friendly in Ballarat. Uh, yeah, Ballarat against Western Sydney Wanderers on the 8th of September. Kickoff at 2.30pm. Mm. Um, I'm not sure the club have announced it, but there's uh, there's some stuff going on around uh, around social media saying that that's happening on the 8th of September. Good to get back to regional Victoria. We played a game in Shepparton once, so good to get back to regional Victoria for a pre-season game. The, the tickets look kind of steep, $25, but it should be fun. I'm going to go to Bentley on Wednesday night. So if you see me, buy me a Suva and buy me a beer because yeah. I'm the man of the people and I could possibly give you a victory secret, but I won't guarantee that. So if, if you buy me a beer and a Suva, I'll give you something. This is just shameless. I don't even know what the secret is. You're going to pick me up on the way through? <laughs> yeah, possibly. Oh, and right. then next Tuesday as well, we play in our round of 16 game against APIA Leica. Apia. Apia. And uh, we're going to do a podcast probably the day after, I'd say. Wednesday. If you guys uh, have your schedules lined up, we'll yeah, do I can a podcast do it. again. And I'm going to try and get Dean Anastasiadis on next week. In uh, studio. Cool. 
What the if, fuck do you want me on for? If um if anyone knows who's listening to Dina Anastasiades, I'm sure someone knows him. Probably tr- well, tr- his brother is uh, the coach of yeah. Bentley. Bentley. Well, You'll be at Bentley on Wednesday ask, night. Yeah. He'll probably well, be ask, there. Ask him. Ask hey, him. John. <laughs> hey, John. John. Yeah. The fuck do you want? <laughs> it's Buds. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? <laughs> Get out of my change rooms. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll leave it there. The the J-pop music theme didn't really go anywhere. <laughs> Oops, might do that next time. Put on some Boris, mate. Yeah, come on. Um, I'll I'll I'll, I'll fucking play one on the way out. Mike so, Polly can do yeah. it. So uh, thanks for listening. I'm a bit rusty tonight. You know, no, it's good to blow the cobwebs out. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah, yeah. We'll I back. think we need a, we need a bit of practice, and uh, yeah, we'll get back yeah, into we'll the swing of things next week. Um, hopefully after next another week? FFA Cup win. Yeah, next week FFA Cup. All right. Yeah, yeah. Bro. We, just, we just literally just talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> Man the vac. <laughs>